You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. It's Monday. We're breaking down a ton of action from week four Sunday, still to come Monday night football, but fresh in our minds is Sunday night football, which was Buccaneers Patriots. Um, I, I want to get into, Matt, some of the rookie quarterbacks we saw this week, and I think it was a revenge of the rookie quarterbacks because they were bad through three weeks. In week four, maybe some of them turned the corner. Over here locally in San Francisco, we might have a new era starting with Trey Lance who got some action, so uh, a ton to get into. We'll see how far we can get on today's show, and whatever games we don't cover today, we will recap on tomorrow's program. You can also get your questions ready at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL for us later in the week, Matt. Uh, Mac Jones nearly pulled a Tom Brady himself and led the Pats back against the Buccaneers in a, a rainy New England 1917 Buccaneers. The Bucs improved to 3-1. and one. The Pats fall to 1-3 and three on the season. The Tom Brady record-setting homecoming, a lot happening in this game. Uh, and then some interesting reports later... With Bill Belichick going back into the locker room for 20 minutes and hanging out with Tom Brady. So I thought that was interesting after just a very brief uh, grasp and, and hug at midfield after the game. I would love to know what they talked about in that conversation because Bill Belichick doesn't let you know anything throughout the week. And he they tried to pry it out of him and he just wasn't going to talk about it. Yeah, I'll admit that I got very tired and I'm sure a lot of people agree about all the buildup for this game. And the whole time I'm like, the Bucs are going to beat him by 30. This is not that exciting. But I got a little caught up in the emotion of it all. You know, I mean, you got to think that what these two accomplished together over pretty much my entire span is, you know, getting paid to do this for a living. With all respect to Montana Walsh and all the other great quarterback coach combinations this is number one, and the, the duration that they lasted is unbelievable. And, and interviewing Brady after, and he's getting choked up on the field after the win, that stuff all kind of hit me. Like, man, that, that, that was a really special thing we got to witness. And, you know, they beat the crap out of my Steelers and everybody else in the AFC and everybody else in the league, and everyone's stats just pale in comparison to Brady and Belichick. So I thought that was awesome, and it was done right. It was a good game, too. I mean, I, you mentioned the rain. I, I think the rain was a great equalizer, and it, it hurt the Bucks more than it hurt the Pats. But I'm sitting here looking at the box score, and I realized New England didn't run the ball very well at all. But I didn't realize they finished this game with negative one yards rushing. <laughs> I mean, if you told me that and you told me that the Patriots were going to – or the, the Bucks were going to hold the ball for about 34 minutes, I would have been like, I was right. They won by 30. It was crazy. I, what do you think about the last the last call to kick the field goal there in the rain? Fifth, a career long field goal attempt, and I mean the guy was. I didn't approve. What, perfect for his last thirty six kicks in a row or something like that. I don't remember what it was for Nick Folk, but a career high. Um, the the analytics, the data tells you that you should go for it on fourth down there, and then you add in the the elements there. And I just felt like that you had to go for it. It wasn't the right time to kick. But I'm sure Bill Belichick's over there thinking, well, look, if I go for it and don't get it, I didn't give myself an opportunity to win this game. 
and I'm sure that's the thought process that goes into it. But I think it was the wrong call. I thought that before the kick doinked off the upright, and uh, I still think that now. I, I did too, and he's a very good kicker. If it was a lovely fall day with no wind or rain or any of those things, I wouldn't have any problem with it. But when you factor in the weather, plus the announcer said like 10 times, he's got a problem with his plant leg he's fighting through. Yeah. Like, yeah, like that's two, two big strikes against a good kicker. Um, I didn't quite understand it, but so be it. I mean, it would have been amazing if it went through, but I would not have attempted it either, to your point. But we got to talk about Mac Jones, 31 of 40. Look, he, he was checking down a lot, getting the ball out yeah, of his hands. Yeah. I'm sure that was the game plan, and, and he it hasn't been attempting as many big-time throws as the other young quarterbacks. That's very clear throughout his rookie season. But, I mean, just death by a thousand paper cuts, and that was Tom Brady for the most part for 20 years, right, and, and mixing in big plays. But um, that was impressive. That was uh, everything – went exactly to plan for the Patriots in this game, and they still came up just a little bit short, but um, and, and some other rookies go into this category as well. It was impressive for the young player who's obviously developing before our eyes with some of these rookie quarterbacks who not many are ready to play in week one, year one in the NFL. Yeah, I don't have a lot more to add to Mac Jones. He just looks like he belongs more so than the other rookies at this point, and I'm sure Belichick and Josh McDaniels have something to do with that, of course. They're great at what they do. Um, he is passing all the tests, comfortable, like you said, precise, handles blitz very well. A um, couple notes I wanted to bring up, too, about this game. I think it's time to worry about the Bucks cornerback situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, they threw your boy Richard Sherman right out there and probably a week earlier than they would have liked to, and then they had some more defensive back injuries. And I'm not giving Arians and Brady a hard time, but, man, it, his average depth of target was really high yet again in this game, and that's what they've evolved to. But maybe with the weather, it wasn't the best idea in the world. And I also want to throw out there, they almost converted on two late touchdowns. But am I crazy to think Antonio Brown is the Bucks' best receiver? I think he is. Uh, I think he is, although... Brady dropped a dime on Antonio Brown that he wasn't yeah. able. Antonio Brown is one the of the one weirdest. Find <laughs> he's one of the weirdest wide receivers uh, of our lifetime, and because he's a he's, weird human being too. Yeah, that's true. That. But just the way he runs and the way he moves, like <laughs> yeah. he doesn't even bend his legs really. But how is he so quick and so good at getting open? Uh, he doesn't really sky for the ball. Uh, he doesn't. Like it, it's hard to put your finger on why he's so good. He's just good. It's it's really strange. I will say I've answered that question 8 million times while he was at Pittsburgh. And one thing I will say is I don't know that I've seen a receiver lose less speed than him out of his breaks. I always called him like, you know, if you live in a, a suburb like I do, he's like a Ferrari whipping around the suburbs, making these 90 degree turns without mm -hmm. even hitting the brakes. It's key. It's key for route running. Big, uh, yeah. yeah, ramping down and ramping back up again. Maybe that's why his odd-looking gait and his odd-looking running style works so well for him to uh, to keep that going. So, uh, yeah, interesting game there, and it was a, a fun one for Sunday Night Football for just strictly football reasons, too, along with you know, oh, everything yeah. else that was, that was going on in that game. Leonard Fournette had a good game, but I feel like he's done at the same time. Like he doesn't look impressive at all, but you know, no. I think you, you get a muddy field and a lot of rain and uh, it usually bodes well for running the football. It didn't for new England, but Leonard Fournette is like, look, we got this guy who's 250 pounds or whatever he is now. <laughs> like, let's just, uh, let's just hand the ball a whole bunch of times. Clunky. 
I mean, he's not a smooth yeah. player at all. Very clunky athlete right now. But 4.6 yards per carry on his 20 carries, so 91 yards there for him. Uh, and it was enough. It was enough for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Defensively, got to name a couple of players really quick. And yeah, we got to move on. We got a lot of games to get to. But uh, the rookie, sure. Joe Tryon, Shoinka had a couple of sacks yeah. there, and he's dynamic off the edge, hit the quarterback four times in that game. Um, Mac Jones did get popped a couple of times. Uh, there was It was a group effort up front, William Goldston, Shaq Barrett with sacks. And then on the other side, Matt Judon is so good. Uh, oh, man, yeah. what a great fit. for He's perfect for Belichick. Mm-hmm. Tough as could be, physical. Everyone in the Patriot defensive front, going back to McGinnis and Vrabel and Wilfork and blah, 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 are going to be big. They're going to be nasty. They're going to be versatile. Judon is perfect for them. And then the one guy I have to mention, though, he doesn't show up all the time, but when he does, or if we focus on Vita Vea, holy cow. Oh, yes. I, I mean, <laughs> the one sack that Tryon had, they highlighted it. He just took out the entire left side of the Patriots line <laughs> and, like, just beat the crap out of them. Right, yeah. Guys, Tryon you know? had just, like, an absolutely free track to the quarterback there because yeah. of the work that Vea was doing. So I'm glad you mentioned him. Do we have uh, any updates on Carlson Davis yet in that injury? I haven't seen, yeah, and I, I also it. know Winfield was injured in that one too, mm-hmm. another secondary injury. So keep an eye on Buck's injury situation. We will keep an eye on those. That could derail him. Absolutely. So uh, tough for the Patriots now oh. at one and three, looking up in the AFC East. The Tampa they could have used Gronk in that game too, by the way. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was he was missed. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's keep this going. Next, we've got a, a Steelers game to talk about here. I think uh, against the Green Bay Packers, who are now rolling a ton of good games on the slate, including the revenge of the rookie quarterbacks coming up. All right, NFL fans, there's an app out there that everybody needs to know about, especially those of you who get gas, which is probably. Most of you, especially those driving in the mornings, listening to their favorite podcasts. And our listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. So that's 50 cents cash back on your first fill up don't pay full price at the pump anymore get cash back using get upside just download the app for free and use promo code touchdown to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to three hundred dollars a month in cash back and there's no catch you can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card. Super easy. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get that bonus of up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code TOUCHDOWN on the Get Upside app. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available on all of your podcast platforms. I saw somebody put it from a fantasy perspective. Matt, that Deontay Johnson either gives you four times what value you thought you were going to get from him any given week, or he gives you nothing and ends up leaving the game with an injury or he has a few drops or something like that. He's just an all-or-nothing player, and he had a big play in this one. And uh, when he's out, you forget how good he is until he comes back and he has a big play like that. End up with nine catches for 92 yards and a touchdown. We've talked a lot about Big Ben looking like he's he's done. It's just a tough go for the Steelers right now, especially when Aaron Rodgers and... Devontae Adams are, are working on the level that they're working on. Cobb getting involved in this game. But the uh, the one throw that stood out was that sideline throw to 
Devontae Adams from Aaron Rodgers, just a little hole shot. There was a you know corner underneath and a safety over the top, and it's just it's undefendable at certain points. Undefendable, yeah. And real quick on Deontay Johnson, I mean, he's kind of the A-B role here. I mean, he's gotten double-digit targets on in 11 of his last 13 games. I mean, if he's on the field and stays on the field, he's getting the football. So I'm tired of ask, answering fantasy questions. Who's the number one in Pittsburgh? It's clearly Deontay Johnson. Rodgers... I think all of us, as much as I appreciate him, take him for granted a little bit because he makes five of those throws you mentioned a game, if not more. If he's hot, it's even more that are indefensible, unbelievable ball placement where it has trajectory, touch, falls in this tiny little spot that only his guy can can hit. He can get it. Sometimes it's back shoulder. Sometimes it's leading him perfectly. He's an unbelievable thrower of the football with just extreme confidence. And, you know, he didn't have Valdez Scantling. The offensive line was pretty beat up, too. They're on their third left left tackle. Um, And he was, again, pretty dominant. But, frankly, kind of like the Steelers lost to Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, the quarterback didn't have to do a ton to beat the Steelers. I will say – I'll sum it up quick. I think the Steelers – played much better in this game. Their defense was healthier. They got some pressure on Rodgers, did a good job limiting Adams. The The dam didn't really break in the run game until it was out of, out of uh, sorts, and they had a big lead, and Dylan sealed it off. My Steelers got robbed big on what would have been a 10-point swing on a, bl- a blocked uh, field goal that w- should have been a, pick, uh, a block six by Minka. I had a real problem with that call, and it was a game-changing play, but they probably still lose this game anyway. And here's where I'm going with this, is the offensive line people have killed, and it's bad, played a little better. They're starting to use Najee Harris a little more. They're starting to run the ball a little better. The receivers are starting to do, you know, make less errors. The quarterback is worse than ever. I mean, he – is possibly the worst starting quarterback that's not a rookie in the league right now. Wow. That's saying something for a guy who's got a Hall of Fame I hate to resume. Say it, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's it, where it, he is. And with Najee Harris in that line, you know, four yards per carry, that, that's all you need there, or that's all you should need there with the defensive side of the ball, but it's still not enough right now at one and three, Matt. Are, are the Steelers, because I mean, obviously. He misses the, layup after layup. Yeah. I mean, Juju had two. They never throw the middle of the field. Well, in this game, they game planned it up where Juju was going up the seam. Could have had two very long touchdowns. Ben just missed them wide open. You know, like, he misses layup after layup. It's awful. The Packers are obviously in great shape here, rolling yeah. in the in the NFC North. But with the Steelers, like, is this season lost? Or is, there, is there something that can be figured out here with the quarterback offensive line situation? The defense is playoff ready. Um, you got a, you know, a young athletic running back that can, that can catch and run. Can the offensive line and the quarterback play at a level that this season is still salvageable for the Steelers right now at one and three after four weeks? Well, they're two games behind the Bengals, Browns, and Ravens, which is going to be a brutal climb because yeah. all those teams are better than them, and you know they at least get to play them. Um, side note, I wanted to mention this with the AFC East, and we mentioned last week, it seems like a couple divisions, including Green Bay, is, is already sealed up with a division winner. It's amazing. that in the East. Oh, you yeah, know what? Another East, note right. really quick about that game, too. Uh, Jacoby Myers, pretty pass there by throws, yeah. yeah. Not bad. And uh, it's funny that um, that they expected it, the, the Buccaneers did, 
and they even called it before the game, but they just didn't know when it was coming that there was going to be that trick play happening and that um, that he knew Jacoby Myers could throw the ball. I thought that was really interesting. Yep, and that's when you know the Patriots are a little worried and trying to pull out every stop they can, and they did. <laughs> yeah. um, as for the Steeler question, to cut right to the chase, uh, I've been saying this all offseason and leading into this year, this is going to be their version of a rebuild. When they go land a quarterback, it'll be a great spot for the new guy, whether it's a rookie or Watson or Rogers or whoever, or some other veteran. But unless Ben drastically changes how he plays, which I can't see after four games, they're going to win six games or something. You know I mean? They're, they're not going to be in it, but they will be the team that all of us talk about. Wow. They're going to rebound in 2022. You mentioned the AFC East. I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills and just an all-time blowout, 40 to Man. nothing over the Texans and feeling good about that. And, and that was a massive pick this week in our survivor pool, and it was mine as well. And I expected them to blow them out. Uh, you know, and, and there was a reason the line was, what, 16 points or something in that game. And we both said, you know, you just kind of have to give up those points with the Bills at home. And wow, I mean, in a tough situation for a rookie quarterback. That was another rainy game there, obviously, in the Northeast. And... A rookie quarterback against that Bills team trying to throw from behind, it's just an awful recipe. It's a disaster scenario. We talked about how the Patriots were helped out by the scenario in in the game script there against the Bucs. It was the exact opposite for the Texans against the Bills Sunday. Yeah, again, I felt for Mills. He had no chance. Um, Looked like a mid-round rookie that was in way over his head. Even though before this game I thought he had done some good things, didn't in this one. Um, I don't have much to add. I mean, yeah, they're, I they could be number one in the power ranks, Buffalo. I mean, they had a tough one in week one, but they've destroyed everybody since. They're absolutely rolling. Um, I don't mean to skip over this game super fast, but I mean, I mean that's as lopsided <laughs> as it gets. When it's this lopsided, I think that's just the story is how lopsided it is. And I actually do have one final note. And by the way, the power ranking is going to be fun. I'm going to fill those out right after our podcast for the network. Mm. We've been doing our network power rankings. And I think there's two very interesting teams. We'll get to the next team uh, next Maybe in a second. Maybe we'll go over those Wednesday or something. We haven't talked power rankings. Yeah, yeah, we should. Because now it got very interesting this week, I think, yeah. with some of the scores and games we saw. Um, here's one from Aaron chats football outsiders dvoa and i know we've referenced dvoa on this show oh yeah i love it buffalo's defense had a dvoa of minus 134.6 percent wow. this week and he zero went, is average <laughs> right so, so the more average. negative the better yeah for defense and on offense you want it to be positive right right it was the best and and the, these things are um they're over the course of a, of a season, they will change because they're adjusted for season long versus all of your opponents for the season. So the more mm-hmm. games you have. So, for example, for the Buffalo, um, the Buffalo Bills, it's 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 counting all 17 of their opponents, even though they haven't played all those games yet. It's all the games accumulated. So things will change over the course of the year because things are adjusted versus your opponent. But as of now, that minus 134.6% DVOA for the Bills defense is the best single game DVOA going back pretty much ever. 1985 wow. Bears, okay, all time defense. Their best game that year was uh, minus 106%. Um, the best game that they can find ever for DVOA was the 1991 Eagles 
which was minus 116% in week three against Dallas. So we're talking about historic stuff here. Oh, actually, here we go. Um, The best single game overall DVOA in history, he says, Pittsburgh's week one 1999 win over the expansion Browns. That was week one, first ever expansion Browns game. Uh, That defense had a DVOA of minus 120.9%. So this was much better than even that. Like, that's how dominant this game was. Wow. Welcome to the league, Brownies. That would be terrible. Um, I don't have much more to add. That blows me away. That's a massive, massive number. I've been following football siders and DVOA forever. Um, I'm kind of shocked it's not the, the Browns from last week against the Bears. Right, when they had uh, <laughs> you know, they one anything. net passing yard in the game. Right, the right. <laughs> they so were sacks and completions. At least they put – did they put points on the board? They scored, right? Or did the yeah, Bears get – Yeah, I think pool? so. No, did they get blanked? No, they, I think they got one. Oh, no, that was the Jets that got blanked last week, 26. Okay, okay. There's been a lot of those blowouts this year. Um, how about this game? Okay, so if the Bills are vying for the top spot in the power rankings, uh, I think they've got some company there. And it might be the Arizona Cardinals who are heading toward number one with a bullet, knocking off last week's number one in our network power rankings, the Los Angeles Rams. This was a huge game this week, not only for the NFC West, but just for playoff seeding and the NFC power rankings, the Cardinals. And they won this one by a lot, 37 to 20 on the road. The Cardinals improved to 4-0. And the Rams fall to three and one. What'd you think about this game? And we had talked about, and we get to see Derek Carr on Monday Night Football. But I thought over the course of the first three weeks of the season, Derek Carr was the league MVP. If we count Week Four, we might be talking about Kyler Murray as the the league MVP right now. Yeah, yeah, you stole the words out of my mouth. You know, we were talking about awards and number one, the power rank. If I had to vote today, it would be Kyler Murray. I am interested to see what Carr does tonight, and it's going to be a really good game, by the way. So Raiders fans, I'm not selling you short again, you know, but Kyler does a lot on his own. I mean, he does a lot out of structure. I'm not super impressed with the Cardinals scheme, but I'm super impressed with his player, um, his lines playing well. They ran the ball really well, and it wasn't a million Kyler scrambles either. I mean, it's Chase Edmonds breaking off long runs, Connor contributing, a lot of big clips. Um, I was a little worried the Rams might take this game a little lightly after their Bucks huge win. And I hate going down those roads, you know, rusty or flat or any of those things. But this didn't totally take me by surprise, you know, that it's hard to stay up for game after game after game. I'm not super worried about the Rams, but I give the Cardinals all the credit in the world. I mean, if, you, if you're going to fill those power ranks out, they got to be in the top five, right? I mean, maybe better. They have to be. I mean, and yeah, and the Rams were the number one. And you, it's hard for me to say that the Rams should be ahead of the Cardinals right now. I mean, you almost can't say I that. wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and there's some good from the Rams, too, and that's what's interesting about this. And, yeah, you mentioned Chase Edmonds, 10 yards per carry here. He had a 54-yarder. Uh, Love seeing some vintage A.J. Green moments in this game. He hadn't been super involved in that offense. And just seeing yeah. Kyler Murray and Rondale Moore, the rookie, run around, two little guys, like, just video game-ish. It's, just, it's kind of fun. Um, so, Very Cliff fun. Kingsbury, a big winner, actually, because the people were wondering if he should be fired coming into the year, if he was – going to make it and right now he's got his team 4-0 and atop of uh, maybe the toughest division in the league and oh yeah the Arizona defense has some talent on it as well oh without question they fun is the word I mean there's a lot of guys that just show up on tape I mean Buda Baker those two young linebackers you mentioned the little buggers you know Rondell Moore and Kyler just flying <laughs> all over the field at a different speed than everybody else I mean they had the football for 10 minutes longer than than the Rams 
The Rams had two big turnovers that hurt them drastically in this game. So, I mean, frankly, if they played 10 times, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, the Cardinals would win eight of them or seven of them, but they were very impressive in this game. Yep, good point. Turnovers, huge key in, in most every game and absolutely were in this one. Uh, I think the the Rams probably feel good about a healthy Daryl Henderson as their main back, even though they lost Cam Akers earlier on this year. And he's been a bright spot yeah. for them. And he's run the ball pretty well. And uh, the, the Rams still definitely in good shape here. But man, this NFC West is going to be fun. Oh, man. I mean, that is a division that is not set. I mean, there's some that look like they're kind of you know, already written. But boy, your West is brutal. Okay, we, we talked to rookie quarterbacks early. Let's finish that up and, and talk Niners, Seahawks, okay. Bears, Lions, and the New York Jets, who got one in the wind column. Let's talk about those teams next. Has it been a struggle to find what channel, what streaming device you need to get everything situated for you while you're watching football? Maybe you've got a kid that needs to watch something else while you're watching your football to keep them occupied while you focus on the game. Got highlights going over here. Got one game over here. Someone's trying to watch the show over there. Maybe you don't remember the logins. Uh, you're sharing your neighbor's, sister's, whatever. Uh, DirecTV Stream can get this all situated for you. And I'm sure you've had those struggles over the first month of the football season. No more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device ever again. And best part is no annual contract. It's called Direct TV Streams. And it brings your live tea and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place, as it should be. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Whether it's specialty flavors like the new marshmallowy puff built bars or the recently released cookie dough chunk or all of their original flavors, peanut butter being my favorite, cherry barcia has actually grown on me quite a bit as well as has mint brownie. I always like anything sweet that involves mint. Double chocolate, salted caramel, or coconut, whatever your flavor, there's something for everyone at Built. Dot com high in protein and low in sugar and all the good things you want in a snack and 15% cheaper because you are a listener to this podcast just use promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com not sure what flavor you want to get a box of we'll get a mix box maybe you skipped lunch before or after a workout maybe you need a pick-me-up maybe uh, just a quick bite before the back nine instead of grabbing whatever sausage roll whatever stuff you're gonna eat while you're on the golf course actually give yourself some protein and some power through the back nine and not feel weighted down by a massive meal and then go beat your buddies out there on the golf course again that's 15 percent off promo code locked 15 at built.com Let's start with the Jets. And when the afternoon game started, I turn off the Jets game and I thought it was over. And then I look back and I was like, oh no, they're going into overtime. The Jets are going to blow this. But they ended up winning it actually in overtime. And my favorite play in that game was late in the fourth quarter with uh, the Jets driving and the rookie quarterback putting the team on his back, kind of, you know, rolling out, making a play, directing traffic, telling Corey Davis to go downfield. And then he hit him with a beautiful pass. Corey Davis making the catching traffic, scoring the touchdown that put them up late. Um, and it was really nice to see the Jets kind of get off the schneid there and and beat the Titans, who were, <laughs> I mean, the Titans are such a weird football team. They and, are. And, and you still have Derrick Henry, though, running the ball 33 times for 157 yards and a touchdown, just doing Derrick Henry stuff. Um 
I, I just the the Tennessee Titans are a really tough team for me to figure out how good they actually are because they just lost to a team that we thought might have been the worst team in the league for the first three weeks. Yeah, I mean, certainly wasn't Henry's fault, but it was all they had. They possessed the football for over ten minutes more than the Jets, but the Jets actually created some big plays, showed a lot of signs of life on offense. I think a guy like Crowder is helpful for for Wilson. Davis is probably still the number one. Elijah Moore is still floating out there. And frankly, I mean, none of us said anything good about the Jets coming into this game. I mean, clearly, I mean, their offense was totally inept. But I think you even said it last week. They shouldn't be quite this bad on offense. You know, like they have some pieces now start to show some life. And they did. Titans should be a little worried about their defense, though. I mean, it was really bad last year. Is it noticeably better? It felt like they could have almost shut the door in the AFC South with a win they probably should have got, and now they're you know not in that position at all. I think it's a huge loss for Tennessee, and of course they didn't have AJ Brown and Julio. You got to mention that, but they should still probably win this game. But good for the Jets. I mean, good for Wilson. Uh, you opened the show by saying you know a lot of these rookie quarterbacks rebounded. You know they have a couple games under their belt. They understand the speed of the game, and now now they're improving. Right, which is. Kind of as you expect. I think some people yeah, right. ready to jump off a cliff the first three weeks about their rookie quarterbacks. And it's like, nah, take some time, okay? So calm down and let's watch these guys develop. And we're certainly seeing that happen already here uh, after a month of the NFL season. Harold Landry has been everywhere for the Titans defense this year. They really needed that. And I love the way they're utilizing him. Makes me feel better about my pre-draft grade on him. And I loved him coming out of school. And he kind of had not really been that yeah, like player, that, that difference-making player for the Titans' defense as an undersized sort of an edge rusher. I love the way they're utilizing him now and and maximizing his strengths on the defensive side of the ball for the New York Jets, too. Uh, young corner Bryce Hall, who they stole in the fifth round last year, is, is a really good player. Um, he was breaking up a ton of passes in this game. Rookie this year, they've got, they drafted both Michael Carters. Uh, they were both very heavily involved, and Hall and Carter look like a young tandem. I don't know if they're going to be a, you know an awesome group of, of corners, but they're they were holding their heads above water, at least in this game against the Titans, and this is a good team to be, you know, covering against when they they didn't have their big time weapons on the outside there. Um, C.J. Mosley everywhere. Quinnen Williams, good to see him. Two sacks in this game. That's really important for that Jets defense. So both offensively and defensively, they started to see some progression from a lot of their young players. But man, they got no ground game on offense. So it's all about no. Zach Wilson and the in the passing game if they're going to win any more games this year. And it's tough to put on rookie. I'm glad you mentioned those defenders because Jets fans have seen a lot of money go to C.J. Mosley, but not a lot of action. And he was looked like himself. That's great. Um, two of my favorite young defensive tackles are in this game, Simmons for Tennessee and Quinn and Williams, who you mentioned for the Jets. I think both are developing into stars, and they kind of get overshadowed where they're at, especially Williams. But, you know, if we were drafting defensive tackles for the rest of their lives, there wouldn't be many I'd take over Williams right now. Justin Fields got his first victory as an NFL starting quarterback, beating the Lions 24-14. Now, look, the Lions defense isn't as good as the the Browns defense, and we'll talk about the Browns tomorrow. And, whoo, that defense is for real, and Miles Garrett is playing at a level that uh, I'm not sure I've seen anybody play that good as, as an edge player in a little while. Uh, we'll get to that team tomorrow, but uh, looking much better here. Another rookie quarterback that takes a big step in Week 4, and the Bears at home improved to 2-2, two and two, beating the 0-4 Lions. Yeah, and, and I take this more as Fields getting more comfortable, Gase doing a better job than 
boy, they're playing a much easier defense, which they absolutely are. And you're right. The Browns are hard to play against right now. The, the Lions are exactly what Fields and the the Bears doctor ordered. Um, but they threw the ball down the field. I mean, it was great to see. I feel bad for Allen Robinson. That guy needs somebody to help him someday of his career. But it was great to see him and Mooney connecting down the field. He's a great accuracy guy down the field. Fields I'm talking about, obviously. Um they ran the ball really well, but it looks like Montgomery could be out for a while. They ran for 188 yards, and Fields only had three carries, which I don't approve of, for nine yards. Like, if you told me he ran for 188 yards, I'm like, ah, Fields probably had 70 of them. Right. <laughs> yeah, scrabbled for a couple of first downs here and there, yeah. uh, some planned runs. But I will say the best thing Matt Nagy did is get out of the way because he let Bill Lazor call plays in this game. And I think that was important just to make it look a little bit different. And that's been a key for multiple seasons now. So that definitely has to stay. Um, David Montgomery, they got the ground. They, they helped out their young quarterback. Game plan wise, the types of throws. And then we saw just a couple of dime throws, which is what makes you so excited about Justin Fields. One to Mooney. Uh, the other two, was it Alvin Robinson over the middle of the field, or was that to Mooney as well? Mooney had 125. Mooney had a big game. Man. Yeah, he had 60, a 64-yarder. But just these dime throws from Justin Fields down the field, that's what makes you so excited about him. And Fields didn't have a huge line, but they didn't lean on him, and that was important. Um, you know, and, and then a little play action, then hit down the field. 11 to 17 passing, 209 yards. He did have an interception in this game, but looked much better, much more comfortable. David Montgomery getting the ground game is important and helping out your young quarterback there. And unfortunately, Montgomery, Montgomery did get hurt late in that game after a couple of touchdown runs and 100 yards on the ground. It's looking like, though, I just saw a report. Let me see if I can find that again. That he, yes, from Schefter here this morning, they don't believe that Montgomery tore his ACL. So that's good news. But further testing will determine that. And then a a five bruise for Damian Williams, too. So you want a dark horse sleeper, rookie running back Khalil Herbert, maybe on your fantasy waiver Mm, wire. Um, And he was a player I liked coming out of college. Um, but anyway, yeah. real quick, go ahead. Go, no, that's it. Uh, real quick note on that. And I know running backs don't matter and there's all that talk. I'm a big believer, though, that in every down workhorse back that can help in the passing game and all the facets are very, very important to extremely young developing quarterbacks. You know, I, I'm glad that Montgomery's not going to be out a, a long stretch. He's the, the straw that stirs a drink for that offense, clearly. And you mentioned it. They didn't ask a lot of fields. I mean, he ran the ball three times. He threw the ball 17. I mean, you don't get to play the Lions every week, but that's how you learn. And poor Jared Goff almost felt bad for him. He actually ended up with a pretty good line in this game. 299 yards passing, 24 of 38, a couple of touchdown passes. But the big play, and the one that's going to get all the highlights, and it wasn't really his fault, he's trying to make some checks at the line of scrimmage in shotgun, and he gets the ball snapped, and it bounces off of him straight into a defender's arms in the red zone. I mean, that could have really changed the tide of this. It did change the tide in this game. We talked about turnovers in the last game as well. So, um, yeah, feel bad for Jared Goff because he's not playing that bad, and I think he gets a bad rap because of some of the situations he's been in and, and taking a lot of the blame. And it's uh, it's unfortunate because this Lions team, even though they want to play tough and they're not giving up in games, they just don't have enough to, to beat most NFL teams right now. I'm glad you mentioned the red zone, though, because I was paying a lot of attention to it because my main money league, I have Hawkinson and Swift. They got down to the goal line often 
and bad things happened like every time. <laughs> yeah, you get know, right where you need to be, and still, nope, sorry, Williamson, no fantasy points today. No, none for you. Yeah. Uh, let's finish it up with this other NFC West matchup here, and now the Seahawks and 49ers at 2-2 two and two are tied for third or tied for last, however you want to put it here. Uh, the Seahawks have the tiebreaker beating the Niners head-to-head. They'll get to play again, though, so I can't really, you know, it's not like a lot of 49ers fans are like, all oh, the 49ers are in last place. And it's like, well, you're 2-2, you're 5-0. You're two two, you're you're I know you're yeah. two games back at the Cardinals right now, but only one game back of the Rams uh, the season's not over but the the Seahawks definitely needed this game and the 49ers dominated early I mean five straight three and outs for the Seahawks offense they were hitting Russell Wilson like I've never seen him get hit before but uh, Garoppolo with the hurt calf they went right down the field six of six and scored on the first drive then the offense couldn't get anything going and they let this the Seahawks stick around they scored right before the half and then it was all Seahawks from there and uh that was uh that was an oddball of a game and then the calf injury for garoppolo you get to see the rookie trey lance in there and it's looking like garoppolo might be out a couple of weeks in which case i mean sorry jimmy you hate it to be this way but i think he just lost the job to trey lance i think it's the trey lance era um and trey lance just real quick was bad when he first came into the game missing <laughs> like missing as much as you can miss a guy from 15 yards away right like just you you pull a guy in off the street and say hey throw this ball to George Kittle who's jogging on the right flat and just throwing it bouncing it to him uh just completely missing I think it was either Ayuk or Debo on a on a slant route an in-breaking route just missing him by a ton then he got the last drive of the game and got really comfortable and it started to look like what you want it to look like. And it was almost like um, all four weeks of the other rookie quarterbacks in one half of football for Trey Lance with how bad he started to look. And then you see it start to go. It starts to get a little bit more comfortable and he starts to look a lot better at the end of the game. And, And overall he ended up having a nice rating because there was a busted coverage where he had a 76 yard touchdown pass to Debo Samuel, who's still doing massive things for the 49ers and among the league leaders. Now eight catches, 156 more receiving yards and, and two more touchdowns in this game. But um, yeah, I, I think it's the Trey Lance show now for the 49ers for better or worse. And they got to develop their young quarterback. And I'm sure there's going to be some more growing pains. Yeah. And again, you're more dialed in with this game than I am. But I agreed with everything you said. It looked like the Niners were going to run away with this. I remember you saying late last week that you were worried about the X's and O's a little bit, that you know the Niners' corners shouldn't keep up well with Metcalf and Lockett. And if you told me then, and I'm sure you agree, if I told you Friday, Russell Wilson's only going to throw for 149 yards in this game, you just think, well, wow, the yeah. Niners had the ball for 40 minutes and ran it down their throat and <laughs> played Niner football. But that Seahawk team... They're a resilient bunch. That guy, Wilson, seems to find ways to win and come back, and they're never out of it, and all those cliches. I mean, they certainly hold up for Seattle. I I didn't watch every every run, but I was excited by Sermon's um, stat line to finish it, at least. Yeah, and Sermon's solid. I think one thing that's missing with Sermon versus some other backs that Shanahan has had recently is the run game has been sort of a big play running game, and you'll break one eventually, and you'll have this you know 40-yarder, 60-yarder. And Sermon's not that style of player, and he hasn't really had that. Um, but they were plugging along in the running game with Trey Sermon, and he, at least he looks like he belongs. And and you know he's fine there as as the running back, as you know most running backs end up being in a Kyle Shanahan 
offense. Um, but really, he's the only guy that, that has run the ball the last two weeks for the 49ers, aside from you know a quarterback or like a handoff to a wide receiver or a tight end or something like that. So it's going to have to be Trey Sermon's show until Elijah Mitchell shows up, but it's clear that Elijah Mitchell is a better fit for Shanahan, and he thinks that too. And once mm-hmm. Mitchell is healthy, which might be next week dealing with a shoulder injury, uh, I think Sermon's going to go back to being sort of a, a big back, change of pace, backup running okay. back for the 49ers. Um, <clears throat> but you you nailed it with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. They they win these oddball game script games, especially against the 49ers. It just seems to always happen that way. I was impressed, even though DK Metcalf didn't have a big game and Tyler Lockett was banged up and the Niners secondary did a really good job on those guys. There was one route that DK Metcalf broke off and he did the same thing last week. And those, those three cone jokes about DK Metcalf, the guy can run routes like DK Metcalf is is a beast. So uh, I just want to throw, he had a nice little route there. It wasn't like, you know, just chucking it downfield to DK. That wasn't the type of game he needed to have. And uh, he did enough, scored that touchdown. And it was a big one for those Seattle Seahawks. But yeah, Trey Lance is the big story here. Last question. I'm excited to watch Lance. Last question for you. Um, the Niners drastically lost the penalty and turnover battle. I'm sure that had a lot to do with the final score, huh? Oh, no doubt. Yep, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they they lost they lost Robbie Gold pregame to a groin injury. Oh yeah, injury. I wanted to bring that up and too. And so wish now. And <clears throat> this is where and Kyle Shanahan's going to take some heat this week. I talked about Bill Belichick's decision to kick the ball with a kicker. I really question Kyle Shanahan attempting a 41-yard field goal with a guy who's never attempted a field goal in you know the pro game or the college game, and he's a former rugby guy, so it's not like he grew up kicking field goals in his backyard either. Um, he th- that was I think just a bad decision for the 49ers. Extra points and uh, and field goals if you ha- unless it was you know fourth and 25 or whatever you know just should not have been attempted, and the 49ers yeah. you know missed a couple of those kicks that could have maybe been points. And when you lose by seven points, maybe, you know, a, a fourth down play here could have become a scoring drive and get you closer into this game. So um, I, I question that from from Kyle Shanahan. In a league where everybody, it seems like, it's, it, there had to be a record of how many teams went for it in fourth down in week four. And Kyle Shanahan's kicking it with his punter who's never kicked before. So uh, I do I do question those decisions from Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, that's a good point. I wanted to bring up the kicker situation and ask how much that impacted the game, and obviously that was a big deal too. Yeah, it did. Uh, there was you know one extra point, and one field goal for sure uh, off the board, and so that in in a one score game that had to be uh, a pretty big deal on the scoreboard. Oh, yeah. And then obviously the the Jimmy Garoppolo interception, which was a good play by Quandre Diggs, but Jimmy's. The injuries and the interceptions have been the things that dogged Jimmy G, and now it was the injuries, and I think that's enough of a window to open up for Trey Lance. As long as he's not a disaster in the next week or two, it's going to be the Trey Lance show. So Yeah, fun. and that's going to be fun. I yeah. mean, with all respect to Jimmy, you don't want anybody hurt. That's, that's going to be fun. Um, I wonder, I was sitting here thinking, if we polled 100 coaches and said, what position do you want to lose the least in pregame warm-ups, kicker would be pretty high on the list. I think it would be, yeah, because it, it's like a set it and forget it sort of a thing. It's like, okay, right. are we going to go to this kicker who's just you know, a wind-up toy? Maybe he'll make it, maybe he won't, but at least we know he's going to be there. And I think that affected Kyle Shanahan, and he didn't really alter what his game plan was. And I think that's another thing where I, where I would criticize Shanahan. 
he didn't alter his game plan for his young quarterback either. He said, well, the game plan wasn't great for Trey Lance when they asked about how ugly Trey Lance looked when he first came in the game. He's like, well, the, the game plan wasn't really for Trey Lance. It was for Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's like, well, that's not okay. you have to know that Jimmy Garoppolo is one play away from becoming Trey Lance. So, like, uh, th- there's no, like, little place in the back of your play sheet for, for Trey Lance. Like, so that's just bad planning uh, and, and really bad coaching on the fly with both the quarterback and the kicking situation so yeah Kyle Shanahan is going to take some lumps in the local media this week for sure yeah and it's not like oh we didn't have a plan for Brady to go down to go to Blaine Gabbert who at least is a similar style right. and wasn't the guy you traded everything in the end that you owned to go get in the first round you know like you know this guy might factor into the game by choice or not you know you better have a plan ton more games to cover on tomorrow's show. Obviously, there's Monday Night Football with Raiders at Chargers, which is going to be a good one. Uh, Washington, Atlanta. We've got Panthers, Cowboys, which was a very interesting one and super fun. Colts, Dolphins, Browns, Vikings, Giants, Saints, uh, Chiefs, Eagles, Ravens, Broncos. Much more from week four to cover tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.